morning, and welcome to the Owner to Owner podcast. My name is Felicia Harris, and I will be your host this morning. Now, you already know, owning a company is complex. There are a zillion moving parts. And when you bring employees into the picture, things get even more complex. Whether you have one employee or 10,000 employees, it can be a challenge to keep it all running smoothly. And that's where everything HR come in. We do one thing, HR. We're human capital experts. We're problem solvers. We make things simpler. And this complimentary podcast will provide you with the latest HR trends. Whether you do business in your home state or across the United States, you'll be able to call in and speak with HR professionals about the issues that keep you up at night. But more importantly, you'll hear best practices from other business owners that have been in your shoes. And today's episode is no exception. Today we have with us a professional in the field of communication and leadership that is going to talk to us about some of the issues as a business owners that we face from day to day. And so I'm going to ask our guest to give us a little bit about her company and about her, her own personal background and how she got into communication. So Janine, welcome. And tell us a little bit about you this morning. Well, thanks, Felicia. Um, you, you know, I got into this business because really of my mom. I grew up when I was in high school and college. I watched my mom do this incredible work. She was an independent contractor, but a lot of her work was done at Ford Motor Company in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. And she traveled the world doing this kind of communication training. And so in the summer, I would go with her uh, either to Dearborn or I would even travel with her. And I would sit in these classes and I would watch her. And two things really struck me. The first was that the people that were in this in these classes, I mean, they were everything from presentation skills to building consensus to listening skills, et cetera. They just took it all in and they were so appreciative of learning these skills. The second thing, um, especially the people who were doing presentations, because a lot of people, that's a scary thing for people. And the second thing was really just watching my mom, how poised and professional she was. And I thought, I want to do that. That just looks fun and rewarding. And at the same time, you know, it, even though it did seem a little scary, it was kind of like, I have a motto that is feel the fear and do it anyway. And then you just start getting really good the more you do something. So that's a little bit how I got involved in doing this. And I actually started in a little bit of different way than she did. I started when I got out of college, um, I went to Hillsdale College here in Michigan. Uh, and I went and I started doing training technology training. So I would teach people how to use their Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, Access. And that was actually really rewarding and, and great too, because I had to learn it. It was in the 90s when people didn't know how to use that. And so I just kept progressing with just becoming a better trainer and I really knew that I wanted to move into communication skills. But even doing technology and teaching people how to use that, you have to be a good communicator. So I actually started Speak So They Listen in 2014. It was the name of one of my mom's best programs. And I just thought the name was really awesome. It just spoke you know, volumes as to what we're really doing here. And so it's really the art of respectful and efficient communication. And so that's what I've been doing, although I've had quite a different path. I was in sales as well. And, um, but I, I love training and now I'm doing, um, well, I've always been doing change management, but I have gotten back into doing change management and um, excited about using these communication skills for that as well. Awesome. Awesome. So now 
Tell us a little bit about your business itself. What made you start go, you know, we know that you wanted to follow into your mom's footsteps, which all of us kids do. We are, we are same as myself. Our parents are always instrumental and they're our main cheerleaders yeah. as we go on in our professions. But what, you know, tell us a little bit about your business and where you're located and what kind of course offerings you have. So we are based out of Ann Arbor. And we are, we have about eight course offerings, but it can grow and we can modify because we're always asked to do um, things that are very much like what we have. I'll give you a little bit of a taste. For example, the Speak So They Listen, I consider that to be our foundational course because it's really about speaking so you're listened to and understood in one-on-one -on -one conversations and meetings and when giving presentations. And it also talks about skillfully uh, managing tough conversations and maintaining positive relationships. So from there, I consider that to just be the center or the nucleus. And then from there, there's so many offshoots. For example, uh, assertive communication, um, asking questions to get results, managing differences of opinion, mastering your meetings, speaking courageously, write so they read instead of speak so they listen. This is the email part. And also mastering your message, which that takes on, that goes into sales, it goes into making presentations. And then one that we've been doing a ton of is um, influencing without authority. So awesome. those are our main ones that we do. Awesome. So now, now that we know that you're in, an expert in the field of communication, um, give us some of, I guess, the importance of communications or some, you know, things about uh, in the workplace for communication. Why is it so important? I'm really trying to say, why is it so important to have effective communication in the workplace? Well, you know, for starters, and I'm just thinking about all my clients and, and the things that they talk to me about, you know, it's really at the heart of everything we do. No matter what kind of business that you have, whether it's manufacturing or high tech or healthcare, communication is everything. It really affects, first of all, engagement, how we interact with our employees, how they feel. Um, in terms of being a part of what is happening. For example, we just did a whole training piece on you know, talking to people about really sharing what, what they do, even if it's a small piece of what the overall company is trying to accomplish. People, especially today, everyone wants to know how they, what they do every day impacts because everyone wants to make a dent in this world. We don't want to just come to work and be robots. And I think that is really the heart of it, that engagement we have with our managers and our employees and our leadership. And it really does start at leadership. And then it works its way into everything we do. Meetings, we're always in meetings. And so that's where you see a lot of this communication, poor and excellent and inclusive, you know, like exclusive, inclusive. You see everything in meetings. It's sort of the stage of business. Wow. And that is so true because, you know, and, and to realizing that there are so many stages to communication. And it's not something, you know, as I'm quite sure you know, being a, a trainer too as well, that you cannot go to one communication course and feel like you've just exhausted that whole subject matter. This is something that is ongoing. And so how do, you know, what is a recommendation for those that may have taken a communication course in the past? How do they keep up on that? You know, how do they stay up to date or even hone those skills? Because it becomes a skill set. Yes, yes, it does. And, you know, one of the key things, I think that's a great point. 
you know, a long time ago, I've been doing this for many years. And, you know, at the, at the beginning, when I first started doing training, I would go in, you know, I would get hired to go into a company and do this particular training and, and then leave, you know, and then maybe we'd go back some other time. Maybe we wouldn't, but the idea there was, you know, just kind of in my mind, throwing training at something, people are always going to get something out of a training. Hopefully um, if it is good and delivered by a trainer that, you know, engages people and where the, where it's very interactive and useful that's what we, that's what we do. Uh, I never do a training that is not interactive where, because I want people to be able to practice it and be able to use these things immediately. And that's the key thing with communication. You can leave and immediately use it. And in a lot of scenarios, people really clear up some misunderstandings within training as well. But you know, what you were saying is something that is a shift. It needs to be a paradigm shift. And some people and leaders and organizations understand that. And I'm finding it to be really my job to help them, educate them a little bit more on how this really needs to be an ongoing plan. It needs to be more of a communication system that includes training. And if we look at it as a whole, like, a whole program where we link it with the goals of the organization. You know, what behaviors do they want to see? What are some of the goals that they have? And instead of a one and done, you know, at the very least, one of the things that we do is we really work to engage our clients at least in six months to a year uh, of a program. And a year would be ideal. For example, if you had, I know people are busy, and so all of our training is 90 minutes or less. We do things quick, um, and we're efficient, and we also feel like these bite-sized pieces allow people to practice and go right out and use it instead of having a ton of information and then forgetting a lot of it. So what we try to do is have one training a quarter. And then we connect it to the learning objectives, to the goals, to the behaviors that they want to see in the organization. And then we also use technology. Well, not only to, most of our training is delivered in person, but we also do webinar training. And then we also can do e-learning. So it doesn't really matter. It can be a nice combination of training that really makes an impact um, on our participants. And then we have a technology that reinforces the training, which is an app. Now we found this to be really effective. We really wanna see behavior change and this is an app that does that. First of all, it has an assessment at the beginning. So pre-training, which I used to do assessments in Google form but now I can do it all in the app or they can access it on their desktop if they don't want to use their phone, but then they can go through and kind of give us some information about where they are today. And then immediately following the training, they get, they start getting what we call mind markers where they are just pinged. And it depends on how many times we agree with the company, how how much they want to, if they want to be really aggressive with the learning or if they just want to do, you know, you could do anywhere from one to four times a week. And these are quick. These are a minute or less where they are reminded. It's not reteaching or teaching anything new. It's all reminders, whether it's a video or an audio or um, a question. It could be a survey question. It could be yes or no or rate yourself. It's just the idea that we're bringing the information back to them and, you know, like, hey, how about trying this in your meeting today? There's also a resource section because we know that when people take training, it's pretty staggering. When they go to training, they get very excited and because they've just learned all this really 
useful stuff that they've just practiced and now they know they can do it. They have a confidence about them and then they go off and use it. Well, you know, it happens to all of us. We're human beings. We start to forget, we get back into work and then we start forgetting things. And so without the reinforcement app, it was about 20% that people, 20 or 21% that people would remember with the app. We've had, numbers as high as 86% where they are remembering this and utilizing it. And it is this idea of taking it from awareness to application. And so that's the power of how this can work and be able to see behavior, behavior change. Then our clients could actually use the analytics to see who's participating where are the gaps? Some people are moving forward at a million miles per hour, and that's amazing and wonderful. Some people are still needing some help in certain areas. So we can really identify and then be able to have managers and executives be able to make really smart business decisions as to what training do we need now? Where are the gaps? How much should we be focusing in on this? And not just guessing, throwing darts at it. And then really seeing how does it connect with our strategic goals and breaking those down so that we can see how we are progressing um, after quarter one. And then just keep seeing the shifts as we go through. That's why the year is a great metric to use and just use it, looking at all the analytics. And it really is. Uh, a, a very positive thing for everyone. We've gotten great feedback from the users. Um, and also, you know, the, the leadership really likes to see these numbers. They, they always say, um, if you can't measure it, you know, this, that, you know, you, you have to be able to measure something to be able to say it was effective or it wasn't. It is. That's very true. When you're talking about training, um, it has an ROI to to it as well. And and for those of yeah. you, I don't want to use acronyms and thinking or assuming that everyone knows what that means. That means your rate of return. And so, on on the the return on your investment. Excuse me, rate of return. It means your return on your investment. And that basically, you know, you're taking a look at the time that you paid for the employees to go away from training, plus you're looking to see, does that increase their productivity level? You're looking for some type of change that has a direct financial impact on your business. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're sending our employees to uh, training. And so when Absolutely. we look at that return on that investment, your ROI, um, we want to make sure that, it's something that employees are going to use. And so the tools that you mentioned, no one wants to go sit in a training and all you're going to receive is a lecture. You're only covering one right. learning style. And any experienced trainer knows you have to encompass all different learning styles in order to effectively reach each one of your participants, because some of them may learn by their, because they're visual. Other ones may learn because yeah. they're auditory. You know, other ones need to actually do it. And so when you encompass yeah. all those different things into a training, it helps with the retention of the training for those employee base, because you want them to do exactly like you said. You want them to go back to the workplace and actually implement those things. And so all the things that they've learned, not go back to the workplace like I am quite sure all of us have done at some point in time from after going, you know, to receive training and get it and think it's wonderful and know that we're going to incorporate it. But then we get to work and what happened? Work happens. We get busy doing our regular day-to-day yeah. -day and we forget about all those wonderful things that took place inside of that training. Yeah, And so exactly. when you do training, the intention of making sure that individuals actually implement the training by including these different reminders, as you state it, 
in there, it helps it keep it, you know, front and foremost for those participants. Yes. And so, yes. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible it, to hear, it like, just look, I was just reviewing, actually, some of the open survey questions that, you know, mm-hmm. came from the app from a particular mm-hmm. client. And it's just so impressive. I mean, if you talk about, you know, how how much this makes us just feel so happy that we're making a dent, right? Um, when we see people really uh, using this, and when I was just listening or watch reading, excuse me, reading about how they were implementing things. I mean, they're talking about you know using talk talking with their family members and practicing using their recording themselves on their phone and um, trying this with their kids and just so many different ways that you can practice these things. And I was just so impressed that, and these people were all, you know, they're, some of them might've been managers, but a lot of them work in a plant atmosphere and it's just Mm -hmm. exciting to see how how excited they are to learn and how they're noticing a difference. And I feel like if we didn't have this reinforcement, it would just go away. We really work to help the managers also incorporate these kinds of things into their discussion points, whether it's like in their performance reviews or just asking mm-hmm. people how they're doing with the training or even covering something at a meeting to bring it up. That doesn't always happen because they are focusing in on work things, but this tool allows them to keep it top of mind. And so it's just exciting to see that. It is. It is it. very exciting. And in fact, one of the things that I typically say when I'm starting out a training, one of the first things that I say, and I let them know, my job is to make sure that the training that they in have a personal and professional impact on them. Because when training is yeah. really done correctly and right, they not only utilize it in their professional life, but they also use it in their personal life. Yeah. And when you talk about trying so it on kids and trying it on those, they've utilized that. They recognize, I can identify this. Now this training has become a part of them. It's the fabric of their being, as I say. And so that's, right. that's what we aim for, you know, as trainers. So, but I want to kind of tap into your flagship training there and talk about yeah. what, and, you know, give us some of the information or things that take place inside of that training so that, you know, what are things that you cover and you talk about so we get some takeaways there for our audience? Sure. Um, So with our Speak So They Listen training, there are three main things that we talk about in that class. First, we talk about how to guide people when you're speaking so that you are listened to and understood because that is really the main thing. Everyone wants to be listened to and understood. And we need to, uh, it has to be on both sides of the coin, right? So when I am speaking, I want people to listen and then I have to do the same on the other end, right? So I have to allow people to speak and then I have to listen. Um, so that's the first part. How do we actually do that? So we use the congruency with eyes and hands because when people, people will follow your eyes when you're speaking. And I, we give a lot of tips and tools as well. When you, cause body language is a key piece. We talk about body language. We talk about voice and of course the words, but in this particular workshop, it really isn't so much about the actual words. It's everything that you wrap around the words. And so that's why this one's so powerful. So even when you're on the phone, like we are, um, we can be very, uh, we can guide people with what we're saying. We can be very descriptive. So for example, if I were not having, if I weren't on a webinar, like we're not on a webinar right now, so I can't really 
point to something that I'm talking about on a slide, but maybe I can be really descriptive in telling a story or maybe in a meeting, I have given you a document and I'm telling you or having guiding you to go to a specific part of the document, uh, maybe asking you a question or telling you to go to the first bullet or number 20 or something like that. And then keeping that conversation going back and forth. Now, the second thing that we talk about is using your voice. And this is huge. And there's so many studies about how you use your voice. And actually, one thing that I just, I'm constantly hearing new things or when I'm listening to NPR or stories, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That is like a perfect thing that we can incorporate. But there was something I heard recently where, there was, it was about this um, woman who was an, a medic, a um, military medic. She flew the, um, the helicopters to pick up, you know, injured people. And she was talking about how important it is to keep your voice calm because in even, those are critical situations. Those are life and death situations where if you just start using your voice and sounding like you're freaked out, upset, you're, you're going to, it's going to travel to everyone. It's contagious and you have to remain calm. And that's really one of the things that we teach is how to use your voice to sound credible when you're giving information or approachable when you're trying to get information. And there's another piece to it as well. When you are giving information, when you're trying to get information, you don't always have to sound approachable. If you are a manager, maybe you need to be giving them a, using a credible voice, even when you're asking them to do something. And that's key because I've had a lot of women business owners who have talked to me about using their voice. And sometimes they really come off more like they are asking their employees if they want to do something. And really that's not the case. It's not, do you want to do it? It's I'm, you know, I'm asking you to do this. And here's another piece that we can add to it. For example, let's say that I'm asking them to put a report together and I need it by Tuesday at three o'clock then I might invite them. I'm going to say that part in a credible voice, but maybe then after that, I'm going to invite them more in an approachable voice to say, well, what are some components of the report that you see would be valuable to put in there? And then that's more of an approachable, but it's also including them in getting their input in the report as well. So it's a real flex of constantly flexing your voice so that you're not monotone, so that you sound credible when you're giving information, but you're approachable enough when you want to get information. I have a lot of uh, executives who we work with who say, hey, you know, I just really need my managers to be able to go, let's say, on that manufacturing floor and be able to ask the right questions in the right tone so that they get the information they're really looking for. Sometimes people are intimidated. And if they're using a credible voice, and some people are constantly using a credible voice, you're not going to get the information you want. And you might even get a lot, you may be lied to, in fact. So we talk about the voice in so many different ways. We could spend an entire day just on voice, um, but also the breathing as well and how that affects how you sound. And you don't even know it. So it can be as important as giving bad news and you don't even, you have to check in with yourself because a lot of times people are really afraid or they are nervous about how the other person's going to take the news and they get really tense and anxious and they don't even realize how they sound. So they might not be sounding the way they want to. And then the conversation goes in a different way. So we teach people how to use their voice in such a way that will give them the results that they're looking for. And then what we do at the end is we combine those things together. 
the guiding people with attention centers, again, with congruency, with eyes and hands and being descriptive so that they're listened to and understood. And then also using the appropriate voice so that when we have to have tough conversations, we can have them, but we can also eliminate our own stress. And when we do that, we can help the other person or people. If we're speaking to a group, we can eliminate their stress so that we can actually move forward and move into problem solving and maintain positive business relationships. And so that's really what we do in that class. It's so powerful. People love it. It's fun. And they walk out of there having practiced how to use those tools and skills and immediately use them. Now, do you have courses where you introduce people to what their current communication style is and you kind of adjust it from there? Do you yes. Use any yes, we do. And we determine what their communication style is. Yes, we do. And, you know, those come in all different forms. Sometimes we just do real easy ones that they can, they take a quick little test, um, right sitting right there, um, or they can do something online like that. Um, we've used DISC before. There's so many of those different tools, but yes, we incorporate those different styles and people really love it because First of all, it's really fun to just hone in on your style and and then seeing the different styles. And there's usually four different styles that, you know, whether it's the sensor, thinker, feeler, intuiter, or if it's the disc styles or other types of things. But those are, are really great to really look at yourself first. And then look at other people and see the differences and then really start to understand how we might and why we might be butting heads with people and then how we can actually start just making small adjustments that make the biggest difference. Sometimes it's just that tiniest little thing that we acknowledge and then we just change our communication style. And that is we're actually working with several sales teams as well um, because that way they can identify quickly the style of the person they're speaking with just with asking a couple questions, noticing a few words that they use, and then be able to adjust so that you're speaking their language. You know, we really tend as human beings, we use the style that is, you know, native or comfortable for us which makes perfect sense, but that's what really gets us into trouble when we don't notice that we're not connecting with other people and how they might not be really in tune with our ideas. They might shut us off and we just think, oh, that person, you know, this or that, but really we have all the ability to just in just a few seconds to make a few adjustments, and it makes the world of difference. It does. It does. Just a, for those of you, when she mentioned the sensing, thinking, feeling, and we're intuitive, that's referring to the Myers-Briggs. So if you guys have ever taken Myers-Briggs, that is coming from that assessment. But I think that when we're talking about, you made such a wonderful point about communication and not only just knowing our style, but also being able to identify the style of others that you may have a relationship with or a contact with. That is so important. And when you've really mastered communication, and I don't want to say master because I think it's an ongoing process um, there for us, but when you become really good at it, I'll, I'll say that, you will learn how to adjust your communication style to fit that individual. You also, as a good manager or leader, adjust your management style. Being a business owner, you not only do you need to learn how to communicate with your employee base, but your suppliers, you need to learn how to, and definitely our customer base. 
And so we need to be able to adjust our management style, our communication style. And so and that's why we're stating when you're talking about communication, it is an ongoing learning process. So literally every book or every piece of literature that you can get on about communication, you should be picking it up and looking at it and reading it because it's very important. It's extremely important. And one of the things that I constantly tell people to do um, is that there's a big difference between listening and listening to respond. When you are actively listening, like I have them for Virginia, I'm not interrupting her. I'm listening to everything she has to say, and I'm not interrupting her. But I think a lot of times in our society, we've learned how to listen to respond. And when we're doing that, you can hear says, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because we're not really taking in everything that the other speaker is actually saying. We're taking in bits and pieces of it. And then right then and there, we're going to get right out the first thing come to mind. And we miss so much valuable information by not giving individuals our undivided attention. Yeah, Because we no, live in a society that everything right. So fast, yeah. We live in a society yeah. where everything is so fast and so quick, and we're going, and we're constantly going, and our mind is constantly thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking. And then before anybody could get anything out, you know, completely what they want to say, we're responding. I mean, and think about that. Think about the message that that sends, not just to our employees, but to our customers. And not to mention... Think about those in, in our personal life. How many times have we really kind of cut them off? How does that make them feel? Instead of if we really stop and we really let them get everything out that they want to say. And if you're afraid, one of the things that I will always tell people to do, if you're afraid that you're going to, like, forget it because, you, yes, we have a zillion things that are going on, jot it down and just tell the person, I may take notes because what you're saying to me is extremely valuable. So I may every now yes. and then write something down because I don't want to forget it. I don't want to forget what you're saying to me because it's that important. Absolutely. You know, you brought something up earlier and I pretty much use it in most of our in most of our workshops as well and that's the the learning styles, how people learn and remember that visual auditory kinesthetic you know, I think mm-hmm. those those are really important. And, you know, thinking about meetings and how we communicate, first of all, a lot of times most people are not really prepared for a meeting. And they, even though they may know or have taken a workshop before, most people are just running in, running out. There might not be an agenda. They don't really focus in on, you know, did we hear from people or what kind of a meeting actually is this? Is this informational? Is this brainstorming? You know, those are really critical things. And the other part is to incorporate those learning styles in your your meetings, because that's really how people can learn and remember and really have effective and efficient meetings and conversations. For example, with the visual piece, people need to see when, excuse me, people need to see, let's say, an agenda or talking points or here's what the the purpose of the meeting is and desired outcome. Otherwise, it's a kind of a free-for-all. So even writing something down or having a flip chart or a whiteboard or something on a laptop or even scribbled on a piece of paper makes a big difference. And the other piece about that is when you, when people are speaking and they, you know, they interject in a meeting, you can write it down so that they know that they've been listened to and understood. So you could put it on the board or a whiteboard or a flip chart. And that way, if you keep hearing the same thing repeated, it's because they just don't think that they've been heard. And no one has acknowledged it or people are, you know, 
telling them to be quiet or whatever. But at some point, it is a smart idea to put that down so that they know that they are listened to. Um, the auditory piece, you know, it's funny because most of our our population is visual. And then the next highest one is kinesthetic, where they need to get their hands on it. They need to do something. Um, they need to touch it or they need to be the one who's putting something on the board or something like that. And then the last, the smallest percentage is actually the auditory. And we kind of joke around and say, well, who's really listening, right? But, you know, people are listening. It's a combination of seeing it, hearing it, and being involved in some way, touching it or actually practicing it, things like that. And we, there was one person um, in one of our, our client organizations, they, this leadership team would always have these meetings and their boardroom overlooked uh, a pond. And this one, this lady was telling me, this VP was telling me that this guy would always turn in the meeting and just look out the window. And everyone was like, just kind of floored by it. Like, why isn't he turning and looking at all of us? And like, is he really listening or what? But he was the one after all was said, he would be the one who turned around and he had the most thought provoking insights and questions he would ask. He was listening. He just needed to like turn his attention, his eyes somewhere else and really listen. So he was obviously more of an auditory person. Um, so it's really interesting because that outside of even work styles, like you were talking about, there are these, these learning styles as well that we really need to be in tune with. And we can really cater to, if, if I'm a manager and I know that my employee is more visual or auditory or kinesthetic, I can really hone in on that and be more effective when having conversations. So I just think all of these little things, and you're right too about the continuous improvement. You know, I will never stop learning. There's always something new to learn, or I can also say that at the same time, there's nothing new under the sun. It's just the way that we put it together, the way that it's structured. Um, it's, there's so many cool things out there, so many systems, processes, ways of looking at things um, or managing conversations that we can keep learning and just being more effective every single day. So I think if someone says, I know all this, I would really wonder, hold on. <laughs> like, don't, they, I know. don't they say that that's, that's a fixed mindset, right? We it always, is, it's a growth mindset <laughs> that we it, need to a, focus on. It is. I figure it's a dangerous person that feels like they know absolutely everything. It's like that person I do not want to be with because they've closed themselves off to new things. And if we, you know, I, I've, I've talked about this before in previous podcasts, and I talk about it in some of our trainings too as well. When you have companies or organizations that say, oh, nope, we got this. It's perfect. We're not changing it. We're going to keep it this same way. And it's like, okay, that's an organization that's going to be out of business because they're no longer looking yeah. at better ways to improve. They're not looking right. at what customer needs are and their customer demands and wants are. And so we have to be constantly looking at how do I get better? Is there something else out there? Even if you're good at it, you should want or desire to be even better. And so as we were talking about the, the various learning styles, as an employer, you may not even know what the learning style is of your employee, not to mention your customer. So if you take this communication style of incorporating kinesthetic learners, auditory learners, and visual learners into your presentation or into your conversation with your employee base as well as your customer base, 
What would your sales close ratio look like? Would that increase it by itself? That would because be huge. now, yeah, you know, it would be huge. It's that would be yeah, huge because now definitely. that's what you've incorporated all these different things, you know, into there. Even if they're one or the other one, think about that. You've demonstrated your skill set in all these different ways that this person can relate to. Absolutely. And, you know, I think another key part of that, it's interesting, you know, building rapport with people is so key. I mean, that's people do business with people they like and they trust and they respect. And I've had people tell me when we work with, different it, it's gosh I see it all everywhere but I've had some of my clients say you know this this one person he is he or she is a brilliant engineer incredible just so skilled really has an answer for everything but the client says I don't want to work with that person at all don't send them here they don't build rapport they don't have small talk they don't ask questions. And it's just really interesting. People, your clients want someone that they can build rapport with and mm-hmm. talk with and have that back and forth. You know, yes, it's great if they are super skilled and we definitely need those people and they're super important to our organizations. And, you know, if they are willing to build their skills, and, you know, you can learn, you can learn how to ask effective questions. You can learn how to identify. Um, it's just being more observant and uh, ha- using empathy. Um, these, are, these are skills that anyone can learn. We can't teach personality, but we can Correct. teach these critical skills, right? Correct. And, and do understand but especially when if I'm using Myers-Briggs or DISC or any of the other assessments, you know, that are out there, I remind people that this is an assessment. It is not a test. A test implies that there is a right and a wrong. And especially when you're talking about, you know, something that is a personality based, because we never want anybody to actually leave a training feeling like there's something wrong with me or I don't like me. I don't (laughs) like the way my assessment came out. It's like, no, embrace who you are because none of us are perfect. We're all working forward to a particular goal because we need all the different personality types to be successful personally and professionally. And so you don't run away from your assessment. You embrace your assessment because it's just that. It's an assessment as to who you are. Now, you can learn to work with that and make whatever necessary adjustments you need to make with that because that's to make you a better person. That's right. You know, it's funny. I I remember, you know, I've taken all of these, of course, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> along the way, you know, and, and I always come out the same thing. And mm-hmm. I look at it and you're right. There is no right. There is no wrong. It's just here is your personality. And these are the things that are positive and that, you know, where you also areas where you can improve, you know, and I really love when you look at some of those things, it's like, oh, well, there was a whole part on the report. Here's how you can, here's how you can manage Janine. <laughs> Or like things like that. Um, and those are really important mm-hmm. things. And, you know, a long time ago when I looked at those, I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't like, oh, this is terrible. Like, I, this, I can't believe that this is on mine. And then I just looked at all the other ones and I thought, okay, you know what? You're right. There are pros and like, or I shouldn't say cons. It's just more like areas that are super strong and other areas where you they are open for continuous improvement and we have to look at that we can't and I think it's a real cop-out to say well this is how I am and this is how I this is just the way I am and this is how I'm always going to be 
That does not work. That is a very fixed mindset. And especially when people are not getting the results they're looking for. In most of the cases, when we work with people, we work with individuals, we work with clients and groups of people, and they are not happy with the results they're getting. They are not happy because maybe they don't, they're not having, maintaining a positive relationship or they're struggling with assertiveness or they're struggling with um, managing, you know, their frustration or anger or whatever it is. And it really all goes back to understanding ourselves more effectively. And when I looked at that, I thought, hey, you know, if there's something here in this work style that I know that might bother someone else, um, you know, if I'm more of a feeler and this other person's more of a thinker, it's like, okay, I'm either going to, if I really want to make headway here, get along and be able to come up with innovative ideas and collaborate and have harmony, then I am going to find ways to work more effectively with this other person and change the way that I approach these situations. And it works. And so that is another thing that is exciting to see when people do change, you know, they change their approach, right? It is. And, and, and the key word in all of that is recognizing that we can only control the change that take place with ourselves. And even with that, we need help. We do not have the right to change another individual and say what they should and should not do or what they should and should not be, because we don't know. That's right. We have to That's be right. able to change or, or put an effort towards changing ourselves and not put the focus on what well, this other person needs to do, this, 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 and this. No, they don't. No, they don't. At the end of the day, <laughs> we want to succeed or do we not want to succeed? Do we want to cross over the finish line or not? And you don't have to yeah. lower your standards or anything of that nature, not be true to yourself. If you're goal-oriented in the workplace or even in your, your personal life, pick your battles. That's right. And you want That's to right. have more winners than losers. And to do that, that means that guess what? You have to work on you. Yeah. And it you is, have to on you. you said, yes, lifelong. Mm-hmm. It is lifelong. It really is lifelong. And one of the other things that you had stated about taking the assessment and same, you know, myself, I've taken all the assessments and I'm still the same. But the thing that made me, I was introduced to Myers-Briggs. I think that was the first one being yeah. basically, I think it was about 19, 19 or so in the financial industry and very new manager and all of that wonderful stuff and was out on the East Coast at a management training, and they had us to take the Myers-Briggs uh, assessment. She called it a test. Take that, and then I'm an ISTG, so basically, you know, it lets you know I'm an introvert. And all the introverts in the room, myself and others, this instructor began to just totally degrade us because, she, you know, she really didn't know what introversion meant. And, you know, anybody that knows me for like two minutes know that that didn't set very well with me. (laughs) Right. People were starting to feel really bad. And it's like, you know, hey, whoa, wait a minute. First off, you don't, you know, you don't control the life in my body. So I don't accept anything that you're saying right now. So, but let's really find out the truth, you know. And so there are so not only, you know, reporting the issue there with the organization I was with, but also I contacted Myers-Briggs because I really wanted to know what was what. And that's how I ended up yeah. actually end up part of the motivation of getting certified as being a Myers-Briggs trainer. And it's nothing about that. It's, it has everything to do with where do you get your energy as an introvert. That's right. 
I am the, I get my energy from myself, not from other people. I can talk to other people. I talk to other people. I train every day. All those different things has nothing to do with me not wanting to have a relationship with other people. All it says, I need a little bit of downtime to recharge just with me. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, you know, the other the other thing that's really important to know there is that it's a scale, right? You can be so you could be on and any point on that scale. Sometimes people mm-hmm. are right in the middle and it's there's so many variations of it. Um, there and then it really is interesting to know that. And you're right. I think a lot of people don't realize that it is where you're getting your energy from. And, mm-hmm. but, and also that is such a great thing to know for yourself because it can help you choose the type of work environment that's best for you. Correct. Um, Correct. And just be more in tune, you know, and, and, and really understand when people know that, hey, you do just need to recharge for a little bit, or I just do need to be by myself for a little bit. It's not because I don't want to be collaborating Mm -hmm. with this group. It's just that Mm -hmm. I need to do this thinking on my own for a little bit, recharge and come back and be part of this group and be creative, you know, and get back with everybody. So understanding these things are really important. It is very important, and it's very important to even from not just your knowing your employee base or what environment you as the business owner or leader um, of your organization, but also for your customers, because it also changes your approach to that customer. And so knowing and being able to identify them, that plays a part, you know, in your sales strategy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The quicker you can read people, the quicker you can build rapport and close your close your sale and develop a a good working relationship. So I know it's these are great, great things to be honing in on. And, um, you know, one of the things that I love listening to our TED talk We've come so far. I can't believe time has passed so far. We're down to the Is last just, 90 seconds. I know. Time no. just flew by. <laughs> so I know. Oh, my God. So quickly give our audience your uh, your email and contact information. Okay. Okay. So my contact information is my is Janine, J-E-N-E-E-N dot McNally. M C N A L L Y at speak so they listen dot com. And uh, my phone number is 734 576 3400. If you're interested in speak so they listen workshop, um, the reinforcement app, or if you're interested in change management, because we are putting all of our communication skills together to help organizations with their change efforts. So that's exciting too. We created a new company called Change Capital, and we're doing a lot of work in that change space now as well. So excited to announce that. Awesome. So guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Please pick up and listen to this podcast, share it with those on iTunes or on Google Play or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are now on there now. And so thank you for joining us this morning and we look forward to you joining us again next week. If you have any questions for us, obviously reach out to us at support at everythinghrfs.net or call us at 586-461-1400. Again, thank you so very much for tuning in this morning and we look forward to are you joining us again on next week? Thank you again, Janine, for joining us this morning. Goodbye and have a good day, Thank everyone. Thank you, Felicia. Thank Bye. you.